0: Are you ready to know your worth and identity in the body of Christ? Are you ready for kingdom conversations with kingdom people? Welcome to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. I'm your host, Caleb McCall, and I will be guiding you through the word with preaching and teaching and empower you to know who you are in Christ Jesus. Hello and welcome in to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. I am your host, Caleb McCall, and we have a very special guest on the show today. Uh, Pastor Hope Carpenter is with us. Uh, she pastors Redemption Church in Greenville, South Carolina, and San Jose on the West Coast as well, and she is an author, has a new book out, The Most Beautiful Disaster. Pastor Hope, how are you doing today? Thank you so much I'm for so tuning doing in.
1: doing good. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting.
0: Yes, yes, we're, we're so happy to have you. I know um, a lot of our listeners really got fired up and really enjoyed loving uh, having Pastor Ron on with us, and now we get the better half of Pastor Ron <laughs> on today. Don't tell him. I don't
1: know do. about that, but uh, <laughs> I think he is, uh, to me, I'm a little prejudiced, of course, my favorite preacher, so oh, I'm sure they loved him.
0: Oh, trust me, he's he's mine as well. I, I told him while he was on the show, he don't he don't know it, but he got a spiritual son over here in Middle Tennessee. Oh, that he's, I love it. He's fathering from afar, you know, but uh have so much respect for him with our recovery ministry the guys we always you know turning on uh, his sermons and sermon series and they're taking notes and learning from them he's he's shepherding a recovery program as well he doesn't even know it so i
1: love it giving life to people
0: yeah well we're just very thankful for your family and uh you know the the mandate that god has put on you and his life is incredible y'all story and testimony. I watched it uh, on the Joni uh, show as well, yeah. uh, just here recently. And and it's just incredible. You two uh, are apostles and fathers, a uh, father and mother in the faith. And uh, we're just grateful for you and your gift and your husband. And thank you for sharing him with the world.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Amen. Well, hope for some of our listeners who, who don't know about you for the few that might not um can you tell us a little bit about yourself how you grew up uh, you know and, and tell well, like us a little bit said, about
1: you i'm ron's better half that's all you need <laughs> to know right <laughs> yeah right <laughs> well uh, i am married to ron carpenter and um, just so honored and privileged that god formed and fashioned me for him i just yes. feel like the most blessed human on earth to be married to such an amazing man. And we've been pastoring this year. Can you believe it? 30 years, 30 Mm -hmm. years. I don't even feel like we should be that old, but um, (laughs) 30 years we're celebrating and we have three grown children, two are married. We have five grands, which is the love and the joy of my life. So um, if I ever get kicked out of here, I'm just going to full-time GG mode. (laughs) Um, there you go. There you they're go. the best. And so, um, yeah, Redemption Church and then Hope Carpenter Ministries. I was raised in a little town called Calhoun Falls, South Carolina, right on the Georgia border. Probably nobody's ever heard of that. It has a thousand <laughs> people and one flashing light. So uh, if you wanted uh, to go out to eat, you went to the local fast fair and bought fried chicken that they serve. Hey, so fried that,
0: chicken. That's all right, right?
1: Yeah, that was that was our extent of it. Yeah. So, Raised there, uh, left there, went to Emmanuel College in Franklin Springs, Georgia, where I met my husband, and we have been together this year 31 years.
0: Incredible. Congratulations. We're
1: going to talk about the ups and downs of that, but that's who I am. I love the Lord with all my heart. Not a perfect human, been through some terrible trials. Um, but here we are today. Spoiler alert, living my best life right yes. <laughs> now. So I want to encourage whoever's living that doesn't. it does not matter what you've been through or how bad you've been. Listen, as long as you got a pulse, yep. you've got a promise, you've got a future and God wants to do something with you. So let's get in it. Let's talk about it.
0: Yes, come on! I love what you said there. You know, us preachers and pastors, we steal everything that everybody says. But <laughs> if you if you've got a pulse, you've got a promise. I, yes. I told you a minute ago. I turn you loose preaching, and I love it. You know, I mean that is, is that not the the real authentic truth though? I it mean, is. so many so many people believe that they've just gone too far, even as believers in Christians. Never, and, never. Uh, you know, I, I don't mean to pull this in but i feel the holy spirit right now kind of leading this you know my mom is reading your book right now and my mom served in ministry for 25 years uh lost my brother and and backslid a little bit and uh you know she's she's reading she's come back to the church that i'm pastoring it's funny how this whole thing has come full circle i'm not trying to make this about me right now this is about you but i do want to share this testimony to encourage somebody you know It's come back full circle. The church that she was serving at is now the building that I planted my church in, in September of 2020. She's back on the worship team. She's leading worship songs. I mean, she's just on fire filled with the Holy Ghost and power. And I just want to encourage somebody and echo what you said a minute ago, you have not gone too far. If you have a pulse, you have a promise. If you have a pulse, you have purpose. And yeah. uh, God, God wants to use you uh, specifically. So, oh, man, that's good stuff. Well, as as we're um, getting into this, you know, so so you kind of mentioned a second ago that, you know, there was some ups and downs in your ministry, in the marriage. You guys have one of the biggest churches in America um, and have had for years. And the pressure of all these things kind, kind of, you know, took you down a path. You had grown up in a very, very strict home. Uh, you know, your identity was lost in the shuffle of that. And uh, just just tell us a little bit about that and and where you ended up there.
1: Absolutely. Um, Raised. I'm very grateful for my Mm -hmm. mom and dad and uh, raised in a but raised in a very, very, very strict home. Uh, We were Southern Baptists, till I was 12 years old and then my parents got filled with the Holy Spirit and we got the right foot of Christian fellowship, meaning we got kicked out. And so (laughs) (laughs) they told us we probably needed to find a different church Mm. um, since we believed in being filled with the Holy Spirit. So Mm. we went to the Pentecostal Holiness Church in our little bitty town and listen, I thought we had died and gone to heaven. It was glorious to me. And uh, it was old school. It didn't matter. I loved it. The prep the power and the presence of God was there. And mm. my parents love the Lord, but because of their brokenness, you know, and that's what happens, you know, mm-hmm. hurt people, hurt people and broken people can only give you brokenness. Right. So they raised us the way they were raised and very strict, very, very mm-hmm. strict. I tell people jokingly now, uh, if we did to our kids today, what, how we were raised, we'd be in jail. Uh, you know (laughs) right yeah yeah um but very strict so the temperature in my home was set on high all Mm. the time you walked on eggshells you never wanted to get in trouble the punishment was so severe um just they argued all the time because of their own brokenness and Mm. we heard that the threats of divorce all the time we heard that and uh, the the perfectionism, you know, mm-hmm. it had to be done right. It had to be done right all the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, just no grades below A's, B's, mm-hmm. you know, that wasn't acceptable.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you had to be, you couldn't be five minutes late. There was no excuse or it was severe punishment. So I lived in that tension, in that uh, atmosphere and had no idea what it was doing to me as a little bitty as a little kid no idea what that was doing to my brain the way I responded the patterns it set up in me and I believe I truly truly believe that every adult problem is an unresolved child problem Mm. I believe it with all my heart because you know after thousands of dollars in counseling now and a lot of of help and wisdom and understanding. I have learned so much about what you do and what you don't get as a child and how it affects Mm. you and what you take into your adult relationships. And I thought, Mm. and let me, don't let me forget. I was raped when I was 15 on a date and never told anybody until I was in my mid twenties, Mm. just buried that and carried that pain and that shame and Mm. So then I leave home, go to Emmanuel College, um, which I told you earlier in our conversation, I think it's just a slice of heaven. It was just yeah. it yeah. so much to me. I met my husband there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I thought that I was leaving my parents home. And because my last name was about to change and my address had changed, that everything had changed for me
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that my future was not going to be the same as my past. Mm -hmm. and that just was not true
0: right right. take
1: everything into your adult relationships everything into your life that you are that you've taken to be true the values the lies the strongholds in your head you're not good enough you know Mm -hmm. you don't uh, compare to your brother he's smarter than you um all of that belief system you take into your adulthood, but I'm going into ministry, had no idea the glass house I was about to walk into. <laughs> and I just thought I had to be perfect in my daddy's house. Mm-hmm. Then i walk into Ron's house, who's a good man.
0: Right, right.
1: Had done nothing to me, had not punished me, had not put those pressures on me, but just that life. Mm -hmm. was putting more pressure on me and I describe it this way to people when I talk you can have the most elaborate beautiful outside of your home it can be gorgeous your wallpaper can match your curtains you can get your furniture at the most custom place in the world your paint can be fabulously faux painted Mm -hmm. and just the finest decor but if your foundation is cracked if behind the walls, the plumbing doesn't hook up together, if the wiring is miswired, eventually mm-hmm. that beautiful home mm-hmm. that everybody sees is going to start to have problems because yeah. of what you can't see.
0: Yeah, wow. And
1: that is what started happening to me. Pressure started mounting. Didn't know why I was miserable. Didn't know why I had anxiety because it looked like I had a great Mm -hmm. wife, I had a great Mm -hmm. husband, he was precious Mm -hmm. to me. Mm Why, why is all this pressure and all of this anxiety mounting? And then about 35 years old, it all came crumbling down.
0: Yeah, you talk about the the pressure of that and the the pressure of all these things, which that's where you just cut it off. There led to you at 35 years old with infidelity. Infidelity was a part of the story. Um, you just just almost I remember you describing again in the book almost like having a psyche break or like a, yeah. almost like a mental breakdown from the yeah. performance, living in a glass house. Yep. You know, you talk about the living in a house with your parents and them paying attention to you. And watching you. But what happens when you got 20,000 member church watching you and everything that you're doing and every response has to be right. And you right. almost feel like you can't be human. I, sometimes I even feel like that. And I'm pastor in a church of maybe 100 people right now. <laughs> so <laughs> so 20,000, 20, I, I could only imagine. Um, and so that gets me to my next question. You know, on the show, um, we talk, the, the name of the show, of course, Recovery to Recovered. It's about Uh, that recovery process and getting to a place of healing and wholeness, not perfection, right? But recovered can mean healed and whole and restored. And so, you know, um, you went to a ministry, all these things transpire at 35 years old, uh, went on for a little while And then you wind up at this ministry tell me about this time at this ministry where god really restored all things made things new and did a real work in your life
1: well we have to rewind a little bit okay how terrible it went down the tubes sure Uh, yeah that that day in in 2004 i remember waking up and and it was almost like i did a mental shooting the bird to everybody in my life it was like Mm -hmm you know, that to you, mm-hmm. that to you, that to you, I can't do this another day. And mm-hmm. I did not know what that meant. I didn't know what, I can't do this. I didn't know what, even know what this means. Oh, I just yeah. knew I could not live, feel this pressure another day. And so I started asking those questions, you know, what about me? What about, what makes me happy? What makes me, you know, what do I want out of life? Mm-hmm. Because clearly trying to please all of these people mm-hmm. is not cutting it.
0: Right. Right. And
1: so um I've learned a lot since then, and I've learned that whole period I was going through is called individuation. Mm. And that is what we're supposed to experience at 13, 14, 15, the touching your fingers to the stove, so to speak, and getting burned and learning your own lessons, you know, mm. wearing that little outfit at 14 that you weren't supposed to wear, but you know, you got to make the choice and you got to do it dating that person who probably wasn't the best for you. But you got to learn that on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never allowed to go to the sock hops, to the dances, to the parties, to, mm-hmm. to choose who I wanted to date, to wear what I wanted to wear. I just wasn't. It was that strict. And mm-hmm. so <laughs> individuation is you're going to do that. And if you do it at the proper time, you do it in a graceful um, safe environment Mm. in the, in your home. But if you wait, it's usually not too graceful. Mm. And and the world calls that a midlife crisis, but really what it is, is in your individuating Mm. and everybody Mm. has to do it at one time or another. So Mm. I started that at 35 years old and man, can you only imagine Mm. being at this time on a worldwide ministry platform? Right trying to do it to where it's not seen trying to do it to where everybody doesn't know. So then here I am living a double life. Mm. Can you imagine that pressure?
0: Yeah. That's mm. a lot.
1: I was trying to escape pressure. Remember, Mm. but I'm adding more pressure.
0: Yeah. You doubled your pressure. by that. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: So it was terrible times. It lasted nine years and in 2000, (laughs) excuse me, In 2013, I came to my husband. Things had gotten really bad. We were arguing, couldn't hide a lot anymore. And Mm -hmm. I was getting to a place where, you know, I just didn't know if I wanted to live honestly anymore. I just didn't Mm -hmm. know what the next decision would be for me. I Mm -hmm. came to him because he was my everything. He was my knight in shining armor. He was my savior. This was Ron Carpenter. You know, I'm coming to Ron and Ron's going to rescue me. Sure. So I come to him to tell him everything that had been going on. Mm. And he said to me, You got 30 minutes, get your stuff and get out. Mm. The very last thing I thought that I would hear from him. But do you know that that was the very best thing that could have ever happened to me? Yeah. Because all of my safety nets were kicked out from under me. Mm. And I had nothing but me and Jesus. Wow. Nothing but me. And Jesus, and I got my stuff. And you know what? I I packed my stuff. I had Louis Vuitton luggage. I packed it in the back of a Range Rover and I drove out of my house. And do you know, a Range Rover, Louis Vuitton luggage, the things that people seek to aspire Mm. to at that point meant nothing.
0: Yeah, They could
1: not help me.
0: Right, right.
1: And man, oh man. Mm, the things that the Gentiles do seek revelation. Mm, three, And he says to the lukewarm church, he says, but you are poor, you are pitiful, and you are blind, and you are in need of salve. You think Mm. you are rich, you think you are wealthy, you think you are knowledgeable, but you have lost the main thing. And that is your love and your fire and your passion for Jesus. Come on, come on the church is it is at today this is mm. where the christian celebrity cultism yeah. mega ministry idea is if i can drive this if i can live here if i can wear that and none of those things satisfy psalm right. 107 says only jesus yeah. can satisfy the longing in your soul
0: that's it that's it
1: so here i am driving up the road in my car with my luggage in my cell phone and I'm scrolling through, and do you know I I don't I can't find anybody to call. Mm. Because everybody in our life works for us. Everybody in our life, Ron writes their paycheck,
0: right? Answers
1: right. to us. And I and I'm the one who's in the wrong. So they're not gonna side with me. They're not gonna open their doors to me. Mm. But I remembered this place in North Carolina that we sent the other broken people to. Mm. The other crazy wow. people to <laughs> wow. You know, the island of broken people, the island of misfits who aren't Mm. perfect as we are in church. Mm. And so I picked up the phone and I called them and I said, this is what's happened. I need a place to stay. I don't want any ministry. I just need Mm. a bed. Yeah. They opened their arms to me and that was huge, huge, huge to me. And I talk about this a lot. Mm. You know, it's a terrible place and a terrible job the church has done at ministering to people who are broken, mm. who are struggling, who have issues, yeah. who have sin issues, who have habits, who have addictions, uh, because we make them feel so less than. And isn't that the reason Jesus came in the first place?
0: Yeah, that's
1: yeah, so sick, good. The sick is the are the ones who need the physician. The well don't need a physician.
0: Right, he right. It's had
1: to come because we're all sick.
0: Yeah, you you say this in your book too and and I'm kind of jumping ahead here but it's all good this is some good stuff but you said in your book and and I'll let you elaborate on it but the the church for some reason has become the last place that we can open up about struggles when it should be the first place yes
1: absolutely yeah. absolutely you know I tell the story in the book about the man with the withered hand and 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 you know Jesus came up to the man with the withered hand and he said to him he said stretch forth your hand well he had two yeah. hands one was right. good one was bad but in the presence of Jesus he was completely comfortable and confident that that's the one he was supposed to stretch forth. Right,
0: right. The
1: church, we want to stretch forth our good hand. We want to show all the ways we get it right, all the ways that we're perfect, and how good we can sing, and how good we can preach, and oh, look how good my marriage is. And mm-hmm. we want to show forth all those things. But in the presence of the Lord, he creates such an atmosphere that you are willing and comfortable. Mm. Showing him your weakness, and that's the way the church is supposed to be. But it's just yeah. not that way.
0: Yeah. What's what's actually scary about this, and I feel like the Holy Ghost has dropped this in my spirit. But in Isaiah six, when he is in the authentic presence of Yahweh, what is the first thing that he does? He said, "Oh, whoa, whoa, is oh, yes, hold up, this is yes. different. I need to, and it's a confession of his." inadequacy of his mess of like man I'm in the presence of Almighty God and our churches are supposed to be full of his presence but yet folks feel like they can't even say that. That to me is very a very scary place to be. We've got to shift that in the church of Jesus Christ and in the body of Christ to where you know folks have an, an open uh, open uh, airway to release yes. and to, to release those struggles, to stretch out the withered hand um, and, and just really be vulnerable. Um, you know, James even says that to confessing our faults one to yeah. another brings healing.
1: Healing. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Isn't yeah, that what we need? It. <laughs> not yeah.
1: stuffing it under a rug, not saying, Oh, I'll be okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. No, yeah. That's what I call hitting the minimize button. And then what you don't expose is still under there and it just festers and it grows mm-hmm. and it grows and it grows.
0: Yeah. So you how long did you spend there at this ministry with this couple that had walked through? I don't know if you mentioned this, but you had told me before we jumped on that they have walked through this and then God sent them back in yes. the fire yeah, to go help got- others. Yes, and so they have this ministry. How long did you spend there, and what happened? Living
1: waters, I was there with them for nine months full time, and then when I went back home after we reconciled, I was committed for another six months to go back once a month on the weekend and stay with them just to keep myself accountable, just Mm -hmm. to, you know, touch base and to you know you you can't restore yourself. You know, that's we have all it, these yes. preachers who fall and, well, I'm, I'm just going to sit down for two weeks or I'm going to sit down for 30 days. And, and you know, you yeah. that's that's not accountability. That's right. that's not restoration. You, you can't come. You can't even go to God in your own name. Mm. You've got to come into the presence of God through Jesus. You've got on, to yeah. have an advocate for you because his name is greater yeah, yeah. than your name. Your name means nothing. Ooh,
0: Jesus, yeah. come on! you so you
1: got to have somebody over you. It's right. more important, you know, who you're under than who you're over. Yeah. So you got to have somebody over you who can validate and say, "I've been watching. They've been doing everything that I've asked them to do. They have been accountable. They right. they've done the hard work." And so that's why I was willing to stay mm-hmm. there. I was determined. God fix me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may never fix my marriage. I may never even reconcile with my husband. I may never be in ministry again, but God, I want you to fix me.
0: Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, everything that you said is just so, so good. You know, we're talking about that whole recovery process when it comes to any kind of recovery process, no matter what that looks like, substance yes. abuse, infidelity, um, you know, uh, a fault in ministry, whatever that looks like you can't do it on your own. And that's what the, the problem is with so many people. We, we think that we can fix ourselves. Um, we think that we'll just straighten it out. Well, if I pray a little bit about it and sit down for two weeks, I'll be all right. Like God's go okay with this. Like, no, actually the word clearly indicates that, that there needs to be time of restoration. And so, you know, that, that's just good, such good stuff, you know, in your first chapter of your book um, you know, when you you have the first chapter there and you're talking about before we can truly get real with others, we have to get authentic with ourselves. Can you elaborate on that just a little bit?
1: Yeah. For me, you know, the Bible says truth will make you free. The truth will make you free. And like you just said, you got to confess your faults one to another so that you be healed. So if there's no acknowledgement of the fault, if there's no acknowledgement of the truth, you know you you don't know what you're dealing with so you know even in in a car accident or a motorcycle accident you take them into the uh emergency room the first thing that they're going to do before they do any surgery or it's called depriment. they they're going to go in and they're going to take out the pebbles they're going to take out the gravel they got to take out the dirt before you can get whole. So it has to be taken out. It has to be laid out on the table of our life so that we can say, okay, this is this, and this is this, and this is this. So you got to look at, you got to be willing to look at it. Mm -hmm. And you got to be willing to talk about it. And you got to be willing to dig deep into your heart to even see why you're doing what you're doing. There's always a why. It's Mm -hmm. not that you're a bad person. It's Mm -hmm. not that you were just innately even born that way. Mm -hmm. There is always a why, always Mm -hmm. a why. And instead of saying to people, you know, what did you do? Or I can't believe you did X, Y, and Z. There's always a why you Mm -hmm. did what you did. And so until you come face to face with truth, and that takes time, that's one Mm -hmm. thing that people are not willing to do is to take the time to be healed. It's not overnight. It's not quick. It's not easy. I can assure you it's going to be long. It's going to be Mm. horrible. It's going to be grueling. It's going to be embarrassing at times. You're going to have to humble yourself. And most people are not willing
0: Mm -hmm. to go
1: through
0: it. Yeah. That's, it's such a sad uh, reality um, (laughs) that, that, that is the case, case, you know, for uh, you know, true growth to happen you have to be stretched being stretched is uncomfortable being vulnerable uh, displaying humility all of those things are uh, tough things and they're not things that happen quickly you know we live in a microwave generation uh, but we serve a crockpot god you know (laughs) and and, uh, god is in the healing business but uh, sometimes it does take some time
1: so what I say in my book, I say, you know, we are an instant generation. That's why we don't want to go through it. I said that if you've ever had my grits, you will never eat instant grits again. You know, I'm a Southern Come on, yeah. You got to put that stuff on the stove and it's got to boil and you got to stay over it and keep spooning it and spooning it and stirring yeah. it. I said, so you'll never eat those Quaker instant grits again because <laughs> the the real, true, good stuff does take time.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, when I come to two twelve, I need some of them grits.
1: <laughs> All right, I'll get you some. I'll get you some.
0: Yeah, there we go. And uh, and one of your chapters is, you know, it's entitled "Don't Just Suck It Up, Buttercup." I love that. That's that's clever. <laughs> it's it's good. But you talked about your grandma's pressure cooker and that, and so uh, you say that the pressure, your pressure valve <clears> blew. Uh, yeah. What what happened there? And when, uh, when did it end and, and how long did it last?
1: Yeah, that happened for me in 2004. That pressure I talked about earlier, it just um, grew and grew and grew. And it makes you almost feel crazy because I'm like looking at the life I'm living now. And I'm like, why do I feel this way? Yeah, it's tough. We got three... Kids like every, you know, everybody else, they're not easy. They don't sleep, you know. Mm-hmm. If we have no money, mm-hmm. we were raising our kids on welfare. We that cheese that don't melt. Uh, <laughs> you know, we don't have money to go out to eat, we don't have vacations, we don't have anybody for babysitting. The church is, you know, tough and I worked three jobs so that Ron wouldn't have to work early on so he could focus on the ministry and you know, life's tough. Life's mm-hmm. tough for everybody. Right. Uh, but it's a good, I was happy. It's the life I wanted. I loved my husband. I loved my kids. I loved my church. I loved being in ministry. So it almost made me feel crazy. Like, why am I feeling like this? Mm-hmm. Oh, and it was the perfect storm for the enemy. He loved that, took it and ran yeah. with it, told me that it was Ron, told me that it was ministry. You know, those are strongholds. Those are the yeah. lies that we take to be the truth, which are, are not what God says about us in any shape, form, or fashion, so -hmm. if you believe in something that's contrary to the word of God over your life, you have taken a lie to be the truth, and Mm -hmm. you've allowed the enemy to talk to you in your head, Mm -hmm. which have now built up strongholds, and that's where I was, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and it lasted for me nine years.
0: Mm. Well, you know, you said too, you said it earlier, and I wanted to ask you this question to really hear from you real quick on it. You know, you said a lot, well, what about me? Yeah. What about me? Um, and you said that to yourself while you were in this nine-year state that you went through. Yes. Um, do you believe the whole what about me thing can get dangerous?
1: Ooh, we, yes. <laughs> you are on a slippery slope. Anytime mm-hmm. you raise your hands and say, wait a minute, hold up. What about me? Oh, um, really? You know, because the the Christian life is, is a life of crucifixion. Yeah. He, he died on a cross crucified, Mm. but he said, you know, your life is supposed to be crucified as well. So the very first time we say, what about me is a time that we are slipping out of the covenant that he has Ask us to join him with his life's crucified, our life's crucified. Mm. This life is not about us and what we want. And And it just infuriates me when I hear parents ask their children even, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? No, don't ask them that. It's not even about what you want to be. Mm. It's about us taking our children and shooting them like arrows. It's mm. our job to shoot them in the direction that they're supposed to go in life. It's not their tr- God's given us that insight into our children because we're spiritually mature we're supposed to be more spiritually mature we're supposed to see their calling and their gifting it's not about what we want it's about what Christ has created us for
0: yes amen that's so good so good so good um you you know how can you, we're in the church we're we're really good at telling folks what not to do right <laughs> So I'll ask you this question because the answer is going to be what to do but but how can we replace the lies we believe about ourselves with the truth of God's word?
1: Well number 1 you got to know God's word before you can replace Come the lies. Somebody. And I'm telling you we've got people in the church today who know more about a Netflix series and they can tell you what every channel is on a television station, but they cannot they can't string three scriptures together about healing, about their marriage, about their finances, and they are broke in every area. Come on. And yeah. I'm telling you, God's word has the truth about every situation in our life that we will ever face. But if you don't know the truth, it's only the truth you know that can set you free
0: mm. the
1: truth sets you free but you got to know the truth before right. you can, it can be alive in you mm. and it can be operating in your life
0: yeah yeah that's so good i'm, I'm preaching a a series on the mind uh, i've entitled it get your mind right you yeah. know and i've heard ron talk about this too i mean but but it's so true what happens in your mind happens in time yeah. And, and the other thing, you know, to answer that question that I, I stated earlier about, you know, us in the church, we're really good at telling people what, what not to do, but why don't we tell them what to do? And one okay. way that you can change, shift your life, stop believing the lies and replace the lies with the truth of God's word, you got to know God's word, you have yeah. got to have God's word hidden in your heart heart. (laughs) right that you might not sin against him is what the bible says amen and so you know thinking about what is good whatever is pure whatever is lovely admirable noble praiseworthy, we are to think on those things right and when we do we can reproduce them in our lives um that's that's some really good stuff uh why why do you need to get rid of the safety nets in order to have true wholeness. Tell us about safety nets real quick.
1: Yeah, well, for me, Ron was mine, Mm -hmm. honestly. You know, so many people live through somebody else's experience or their truth or their relationship with God. You know, you live through your grandma, you Mm -hmm. (laughs) you live through your parents and their relationship with God or your spouse or whatever. And when Ron told me to leave that day, It took out every ounce of safety from my life. And it, for the first time in my life, because for the first 21 years, I was told what to do by my parents. Mm. For the next 14 years, I lived through the church, doing what I was supposed to do, you know, presenting perfect, um, being at everything, um, because I had been taught growing up, you know, you get it all right. You get on this treadmill of perfectionism and, and you don't get in trouble mm-hmm. and you stay on that course. And that's the way I was in my adulthood. Mm-hmm. But I had met, ne- although I loved the Lord, I really did love him. Mm-hmm. And when I got saved at eight years old, I, I loved him. I was that girl in high school who put the scriptures in her locker. You know, I was that girl. Mm-hmm. So I loved him, but I was so broken. Mm-hmm. And so for the first time at 35 years old, well, not at that time, it was 44 years old, 35 is when I fell apart. Mm-hmm. 44 was when at that was the first time every safety net was ripped from me. And it, I was face to face with just me and Jesus. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you something. He met me so sweet. Mm. He met me so sweet. He did not beat me. He did not Mm -hmm. judge me. He loved me, not for what I did, just for who I was. And Mm -hmm. for the first time in my life, really, I felt the unconditional agape love of God.
0: Wow. Come on. That's so good. So good. Uh, It sounds like, too, that freedom can come when safety nets are removed.
1: Yeah, you in yeah, agreement absolutely. with that? I agree, one hundred percent. You know, you hear, and I know know your background. Mm-hmm. Until you hit rock bottom, mm-hmm. <laughs> until every option is taken yep, from yep. you, a lot of people do not experience freedom. And yep. until every option was taken from me, until I hit rock bottom, um, that is where freedom came for me.
0: Incredible. Uh, Just a few more here. You're you're right that the devil wants you to pay attention to your feelings and Jesus wants you to pay attention to his truth. How can, tell our listeners today, how can feelings be deceiving?
1: Listen, our feelings change more than we change (laughs) underwear. Um, And our feelings are liars. You know, Mm -hmm. feelings come from chemicals, just plain old chemicals in our brain. And feelings are not truth. Only God's word is true. So, good. Um, you know, so I love my husband and I'm in love with my husband. But even after all the healing we've gone through, there are still days I want to take a pillow and put it over his head in the night till his feet dangle. You know what I'm saying? There are some, I mean, I don't feel ooey gooey all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, some days I feel like getting up and going to the gym, but the other 360 days, I don't feel <laughs> like it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So feelings, no, we cannot be led by our feelings. We have to be led by the truth of God's word, what he says about us.
0: Yes. Yeah. That's so good. I've been, I've been preaching this in <laughs> church for like a year now. And I've been telling folks uh, we, we've talked a lot about love, and that love is not an ooey-gooey feeling you get when an individual walks in the room. Love is an action. It that's is. why Jesus says, "If a you choice. love me, you obey my commands." Yeah. you know. And so, I just uh, I, I'm in total agreement with that. We cannot live a life based on feelings. And two, that's where us in our us Pentecostal circles we get ourselves in trouble sometimes because everybody we're, we're so um, used to feeling God, because we're in environments a lot where God's working, moving, and, and we can feel God and all those things are great. But if your relationship is ever based on feelings, what happens when the feeling isn't there? We've got to base. When back the, up. That's when you yeah. when
1: you back out. And when you stop coming to church, and when you, you know, backslide, it's because mm-hmm. the feelings aren't there. And love is exactly not a feeling. Love is a choice.
0: Yes, that's so good. So good. Last question here. You wrote you can't be who you're supposed to be and who you used to be at the same time. Wow, that's so good. Um, that's so good. Can you can you expand on that a little bit as we close out here in just a second?
1: Yeah. You know, if what you're doing right now is not working for you
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: and it's not getting you to the place where, you know, God has called you to be who he created you to be, then it is normally, and you hear this in the AA community, that it's people, places, and things. And it is, it's not even just AA community. It Mm -hmm. is always people, places, and things that you will have to X out of your life, press, delete, block, uh, put them out of your life, put them out of your phone, because if the, you know, the definition of insanity, they always say yeah. is, you know, doing the same thing, but hoping mm-hmm. for a different result. Mm-hmm. You cannot do the same things you used to do and expect the God result. You have yeah. to change it all up. And it's, yeah. uh, it's painful. It's uncomfortable, Uh, but man, yeah. what it produces. Whoo,
0: Yeah. It's life yeah what and you, right. Right. And, and what you said too, with, with the AA uh, community, they, they got that out of the Bible too. Yes. Read Proverbs and and tell me about uh, people, places yes. and things. I mean right. all throughout the scriptures um that those things um will and can have a profound impact on where you're at in life right now. Where you're going. Where you're heading. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Uh hope this has been incredible. I've got to tell our listeners and and for those of you who are watching the most beautiful disaster I hope Carpenter got to get this. My mom, this I stole my mom's book. I'm gonna go (laughs) buy one myself, but my mom might not get this back because I started reading it earlier and now I'm into it. And you're hooked, huh? It's just incredible. Yes, I am. I am hooked in there. So, so hope. Where can our listeners connect with you online and pick up a copy of your book, The Most Beautiful Disaster? Can you let our listeners know?
1: Yes, Um, I'm on all the social media platforms. You know, I'm 52 years old, so. That's just not like my first go-to or the thing that I enjoy, but I know you got to do it these days. I'm on all the social (laughs) media platforms and you can get my book anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble books, a million, Target, Walmart, all those places. Excuse me. I have had a little tickle in my throat because I'm overcoming a old uh sickness from my grandkids they gave me because i kiss them in the mouth can't help it. there you ever.
0: go there you go
1: <laughs> um but hope um i have a website it tells everything i do i love missions missions is my heart that's and cool. i travel all over the world feeding babies that's what yeah. i do and i feed old people and i go. take care of the widows and the orphans and oh. so um uh, If you'd like to connect with me on that level, I I mean, we have Kalima Mexico, the Dominican Republic, Italy, Pakistan, Argentina, Uh, we support every month on a monthly basis and just love doing it um also have a women's conference every september yes let our Uh, listeners know about that oh good it's gonna be so good it's called the unique women's conference because i want you to know how unique rare and special you are there's nobody like you come on so you got to feel your place in this world. Um, so to to do everything that you are called to do, you've got to be everything. Don't focus on the do, focus on the be. Come
0: on, so it's come in on.
1: Greenville, South Carolina. It's in San Jose, California. So it, all that information is on hopecarpenter.com. Instagram, of course, is what is it? It's um, at pastorhope.carpenter. Go follow me.
0: Yes. Amen. Amen. Hope I Pastor Hope, I just really feel led that there is going to be that there's a listener that's that's listening to our show right now. It might be weeks from now, it might be uh you know t- tomorrow uh you know whatever. And I, and I believe that uh uh you need to pray with our listeners right now for the individual uh that feels like maybe they they've took it too far that yeah. feels like for lack of better terms, or what the world would call a midlife crisis, who feels the pressure of maybe ministry, maybe you're a pastor's wife, whatever that may be, whatever that looks like. Miss Hope, if you would just pray for our listeners, and after you pray, (laughs) I'll close out the show, but I just feel like somebody's going to get a breakthrough today, okay? and I believe that God is going to touch somebody's heart and life right now, and I'm going to get some emails that pour in about this episode and this show today. And then I'm going to forward them to you and we're going to see God work some miracles. We're going to
1: rejoice. Yes. Yes. Amen. Let me just encourage you. First of all, you have not gone too far. Yes. Like I said earlier, if you are breathing, you have a purpose in this world. Yes. Um. Listen, Noah was a drunk, mm. right? Abraham was old. Don't it don't matter how old you are. Jacob was a liar and a schemer and, Mm. Joseph was abused and in prison. You say, well, Mm. I'm in prison. I can't do nothing. So was Joseph. Moses Moses had a speech impediment. God still used him. Listen, Rahab, what was she? You know what she was. She was Mm. a prostitute. Mm -hmm. Gideon was shy and wimpy and scared and struggled Mm. with anxiety. Martha was probably, listen, on Xanax. (laughs) she was a perfectionist. She probably yeah. had OCD. God wants to use you no matter what you're going through, what your struggle is. Listen, most of the time we have struggles and we have issues so that we can't get the glory so that mm, God can get the it. glory so that the world can look at us and say, but there's such a mess, but mm. God gets all the glory.
0: That's it. That's it.
1: So let me pray for you tonight, today, wherever you are all over the world.
0: Yes.
1: I thank you, Jesus. Jesus. That every one of us are fearfully and wonderfully made by you. Yes, Lord. You You created us. You designed us just like we are. You created us knowing we would make our mistakes. You created us knowing we would fail. You created us knowing we would let you down. But you you loved us so much anyway. You did it and you died for us. So God, today, I pray that you would scoop these people up in your arms right now. Wrap your loving, gentle kind arms around them pour your love onto them tonight wherever they are letting them know that they are the apple of your eye that you have not forgotten them that they have not gone too far that they are special they are unique they are created in your image lord i thank you for every person and i ask tonight Lord, if they need to come to know you for the first time, Lord, that they would that you would be down. very real to them and your love would encompass them in their room, in their hospital bed, in their prison cell, wherever Where they are, sure driving down the road in their work, Lord, that yes, you would Lord. just come and love them to life. You said that it was your kindness that draws men to repent, not beating them over the head. Yes. So I, I just thank you that they, that they feel your love right now.
0: Yes. Jesus. And
1: Lord, if there's people who need to come back to you, oh, Lord, help us yes. to run, 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 run to you. Yes. Thank you. Father. Run to you. We're not running to church. We're not running to a man or a woman. We're running to you, Jesus. Yes. Father. And I thank you that you meet us right where we are. And I thank you, Lord, that their next days will be their best days days i thank you jesus Jesus, that there's more in front of them that there is behind them and i think that testimonies are going to pour in from listening to this podcast today from this little country girl this this little preacher who screwed up royally but you loved me back to life
0: yes Lord, and
1: you're using me today in ways that i could never imagine and i just give you glory for it in jesus name amen
0: Amen, amen. I feel like I've been in church. Come on, somebody. I love it. I love it. I love it. Pastor Hope, thank you so much again. Thank you for the gift uh, that you and your husband are to the body of Christ. You, you have you, y'all have an apostolic anointing on your life. You're apostles. I truly believe that. And uh, we in the body of Christ, we thank you and we love you. Thank you so much thank for coming you. on today's show. Thank you for tuning in to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. Check out new episodes every Wednesday on the Charisma Podcast Network or anywhere that um, uh, podcasts are shared on major platforms. We appreciate you and we will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. If you like what you heard today, visit be the BeTheBushMinistries.com or MiriamHouse.com to become a monthly partner or for more info about our ministry and what we are accomplishing for the kingdom of God. You can also follow me on Facebook at Caleb McCall or on Instagram at Pastor Caleb Mac. See you next week.